Hi, I'm James Kotecki. You're listening to the C-Space Studio Podcast. Interviews with technology, media, and marketing leaders from CES 2020. Hi, I am James Kotecki. Good morning and welcome to the C-Space Studio from CES 2020. Joining us here right now is Tim Mapes, the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer. Good morning. For for Delta Airlines, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So Tim, there's a lot of reasons people might buy an airline ticket on a various airline, on many of the various airlines they can choose. What is the brand of Delta? How much does the brand of Delta play into why someone might choose to fly on one of your airplanes? Well, I think for us as a service business, the brand is really a reflection of the culture of the company. And I think what customers are increasingly experiencing on us is the benefit of that culture. It's the service, it's the hospitality, it's the genuine warmth and caring of people uh, who are freed up to be able to focus on customers because Delta takes very good care of them. Our orientation, and I call it branding from the inside out, is that we focus first uh, on our customer, uh, frontline customer experience people and ensure that they're happy, that they're freed up to be able to focus on the customer. And we do that through things like profit sharing and enabling them to give back to the communities where they live and work. Uh, but it's not dissimilar to California ads years ago where they said happy cows make happy cheese. Happy employees provide better our customer service, and I think that's what customers are increasingly seeing on Delta. You know, it's interesting, and I think it's very telling that at a technology conference here, CES, you gave a really people-first answer. That's kind of been an emergent theme. As all this technology continues to advance, it is all about people. And yet we are at CES, so what are the technologies that you're displaying here? Why are you here at CES? Yeah, it was for us, our strategy coming out here was to put the C back in CES. One of the things that's remarkable about the amount of technology that we all see here, and there's 5,000 exhibitors, is it's technology, but there's a loss of humanity in that. And I think our orientation is very much around bringing the humanity into the center. And us as a customer-centric organization and a human entity, uh, because we have 80,000 to 90,000 employees focused on the needs of 200 million customers around the world, is what role technology plays in enabling them to provide a better human experience to the people uh, that we serve. And we're very much of the belief that we connect the world. The world needs that now more than ever, you could easily argue, uh, in an increasingly divisive environment to just say, what is the entity, corporately or otherwise, that just brings people together um, at the highest level of what that means? Not just point to point, but really truly connects people such that there's empathy and understanding so that when you see uh, protests in Hong Kong or disruptions in Chile, that if you've been there, you understand what those cultures are about, what those arguments are, are about. And only travel does that. There's things, whether it's Skype or whether it's conversations and a lot of technologically advanced things, but it's the human face-to-face that uh, we believe is so special. So what kind of technologies are you looking forward to in the years to come that are going to further enable that? Well, one of the things that we've displayed and that is live at our booth today is something called Parallel Reality, which is a remarkable technology uh, by a a company called Misapplied Sciences that we're working with that enables, if you have 100 people sitting staring at a screen, right now when you go to an airport, you see a screen that says all the different flights to all the different places and the status of that flight. What's coming and that we'll display it live in the summer of 2020 is that same display, it enables when you walk up, you will only see James's information. And the person that Hmm. is inches away from you sees only their information. And it's in the language that they prefer, driven based on the data that that we know about you that says your next flight is here, your gate is there, here's information, hey, we're boarding. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it allows literally over 100 people to sit in the exact same space looking at the same screen and see something entirely different. It literally is like science fiction, but it's 
live in our booth today, and it's something we will uh, have live in, in our operation in the summer. So can you share any secrets about how that works? Is it a matter of like the angle that I'm viewing it at, so the pixels are changing, so that I can see it from yeah, the different... 100%, and, and uh, there, I, I'm way over, uh, I'm in the deep end of technology for me to try to explain it. Their CEO is here with us to do that out at our booth, but that's exactly right. It's, it's mirrors and it's algorithms wow. that allow uh, literally you to stand in the space of a, of a few feet and see something radically different. It's absolutely fascinating. Uh, let's talk about the in-flight experience, which is maybe the thing that's most under your control as a company. What kind of technology are we going to be seeing in the coming years that's going to improve that? Well, it's everything from seating, which is really fundamental to what it is we do and the comfort for our customers. But increasingly, it's also technologically advanced entertainment and connectivity, obviously. Uh, we have something called Delta Flight Products that's a wholly owned uh, entity that we've created that allows us to focus on everything from the higher, greater degrees of resolution on the screens you're looking at uh, to Wi-Fi and free Wi-Fi. We're very vocal in believing and saying publicly that we think Wi-Fi on airplanes ought to be free. We want to be the first people to get there. That's a technological challenge more than it's an economic consideration. Uh, but those types of things, people expect to be connected. They have you time, right? Your ability to be, when you're on an airplane, it's kind of what Starbucks used to say about that third space. It's not home, it's not work, yeah. it's you time. And we wanted to enable that to whether it's power for your devices or whether it's entertainment or it's connectivity. It's whatever it is you choose to do and that's what we want to enable in that, uh, in that experience. There's a theory of technology, I assume, from some airlines that everybody should just be bringing their own devices because you can't possibly keep up with the kinds of screens or the kinds of interactions people want to have with their technology if you put something in the seat back because you can only replace that every so many years. But people are upgrading their devices all the time, so that's what airlines should be focused on. It sounds like you're kind of taking a, a stand on having screens built into the seat backs as a, as a, as a 100%. continuing idea. I totally yeah. reject the notion that airlines can't keep up. Right? Our, our idea is to not only keep up, but to be a band guard of technology. Uh, and when you look at the behavior on our planes, hopefully we have you from Raleigh-Durham or, or other I places. I actually flew here on Delta. Fantastic. So. Thank you for that. What you see is there's somebody who's working social media on their phone while they're watching CNBC on the seat back screen, and they probably have a tablet or a laptop or something yeah. going, right? It's three devices. So the suggestion that we ought to be taking things off the plane because an airline can't keep up with technology hmm. is crap. When you think about the reality that you're flying 525 miles an hour, 35,000 feet above the earth with Wi-Fi, with all the different things we're enabling, that is technologically advanced to begin with. So airlines that are taking things off of planes are removing elements of a customer experience. We're in the process of doing the exact opposite. For long-haul flights, for example, could I see VR coming in the future? I think, or a I, think, I think it will be anything and everything that customers want. The, the issue with VR is the bandwidth that that yeah. type of thing eats up, and that's one of the reasons that free Wi-Fi isn't out there yet. It isn't that it's not technologically able. It's that the quality of the experience when you have everybody on a plane drawing down mm -hmm. on the bandwidth that's coming off the satellite, whether it's KU or 2KU or KA, just eats up the bandwidth yeah. such that it, it uh, degrades the quality of the experience. So VR uh, is such a drain on that that I think it'll be a while, but I think as the pipe, if you will, gets broader, that that's exactly what we'll be doing. You talk about human human connections is still being essential, and that's why air travel is still essential. Do you think, though, as a company, about kind of technological wild cards? What if someday we have extremely immersive, realistic VR? Does that somehow cut down on maybe not vacations of a lifetime, but on one you know business typical business meetings, for example? Do you think about how technology actually fundamentally could change the airline business? I, yeah, we do. But I also think that those types of experiences make you want to go experience it in real life, right? I mean, today, what VR as it exists today, you might be able to swim with a whale or see the North Pole 
whole. But what it ultimately allows you to do is really want to go experience that in a very more, it's one thing to yeah. see something, but travel and life is about tactical. It's tactile, it's senses, it smells, it's tastes, and things like that with VR. Seeing it is one thing, but experiencing it fully with all of your senses is what travel enables. Uh, let's talk social media for a second. I mean, airlines, uh, you know, usually there's a story every couple of years or so around some issue on some airline and somebody's complaining about it on social media. And social media is really a, a place where a lot of these conversations are taking place. How does social media fit into your strategy, especially given that, for better or worse, and maybe due to things that are outside of your control as a company, people are going to go on there and complain about airline travel. That's yeah. just what people do on social media. Yeah. Uh, a million people a year write letters of complaint to Delta Airlines, and every one of those is a gift to us because every one of those is a is a commentary about ways in which we can make travel better for them. Social media gives us that opportunity in real time. If somebody's at a gate saying, hey, this has happened, my bag's misdirected, or different things. So social media in real time versus a letter that might take days or weeks to respond to provides us with the opportunity to improve your experience and to know real time what it is you're experiencing and us to do something about it. And so we have people 365, 24 hours a day in multiple languages monitoring everything from Twitter and Facebook uh, to be able to know in, in that instant, here's what's going on and what can we do about it. So it's a gift, but it is a challenge, right? I mean, it's languages, it's real time, it's making sure that we respond to people in a timely way. But Delta is a big enterprise, and from a customer perspective, when you serve 200 million people, that can seem monolithic. Like, I don't know where to begin to contact Delta. Yeah. What Twitter or Facebook enables us to do is in real time know, you're having this experience, what are we going to do about it? Some of those complaints are due to things, maybe many of them are due to things that are outside your control. Is that a special challenge for Delta, where you have things like government, you have things like weather, you have things like airport crowding that you don't necessarily have control over? We don't have control over, but we have responsibility for every one of the things you just mentioned. We are taking people's lives uh, every single day around the world, and whether it's weather, whether it's oil prices, whether it's geopolitical situations, we have an ownership responsibility for our customers and our employees to see that we're doing everything in our power to deal with those. That's why we bought an oil refinery. That's why we've done some of the things that we've done in standing up new standalone businesses to take control of everything that we can. While we may not ultimately have uh, total influence over them, we can nonetheless try to affect the outcomes. Uh, as we wrap up here, your title is Chief Marketing and Communications Officer. Uh, what does that title mean to you? And how do you see that title changing both for you and maybe other people in the industry? That's a big theme of us here at the C-Space Studio this year. Yeah, I think the fallacy of both of those words and those titles is they suggest you're out communicating and talking out. What we orient ourselves around is listening because mm. the needs of our 90,000 employees, the needs of our 200 million customers are what hold the, the keys to the future. And when you look at the innovation that's driving and that we're showcasing here at Delta uh, and at CES, they're not things that we want to do because we want to go do them. They're things that customers and our employees tell us are things that will make their travel lives better, de-stressed or other. Uh, and, and I think it's that that we, we really focus on. So there ought to be a chief listening officer title. There ought to be, because those are the keys Ooh, like to that. service delivery. It's not about marketing and comms. It's about listening because it starts with, Stephen Covey used to say, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. That is the key to what we're trying to be about. Well, Tim Mapes, Delta Airlines, thanks so much for Thank joining you, us here. Thank you, James. Pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. This podcast is in partnership with the iHeart Podcast Network. 